It's good to be in church this morning. Amen. You know what? I preached a sermon a couple of weeks ago in Branson, and I didn't think I was going to get to preach it here because I thought I might preach it last week. But you know what? The Lord dealt with me that I get to share it with y'all today, and it is, I think, one of the best ones that I've ever done. I liked it. I liked it a lot. So I think y'all will like it. Because you know what? It's God all over it. And let me explain to you why. Because it's victory all over it. And anything that is God is victory. And anytime anybody tells you something that's not victory or encouraging or overcoming or you win or you're going over the top or it's exceeding abundantly or uh, whatever phenomenal, uh, you look good or, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, then it's not God. You got it? If somebody look, walks up to you and says, um, you're mean or you're bad or you're ugly or you're this or you're that, you know, that's just your flesh. That's not you. You got it? So you just, you just kind of say, mm, and go on, right? Because you know that's not really you. So this morning, I want to talk to you about something that is very, very exciting to me because it's one of the things that helps me every single day. And so are y'all ready? Put your Bibles away because you won't need them because it's just really, really simple, simple, simple. You're really going to like it. It's really, really, really good. It's it's because I tried to get God when I did this sermon to let me use a bunch of scriptures on it. And he said, no, a lot of people have so much teaching today. If they would just use their hearts just a little bit, they'd be able to do this. So are y'all ready? Okay. I'm going to give you the scripture. You can look at them. I want to ask you this very simple question. Is your past even five minutes ago, yesterday, last month, last year, Five years ago, 15 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever, determining your future. You answered that mighty quick. Is anything that happened in your past determining what's happening to you today? People call it your baggage. They call it divorces. They call it losses. They call it bankruptcies. They call it uh, miscarriages. They call it... Uh, uh, Abuse, they call it uh, failures, they call it losses, they call it any number of things. They call it, we didn't get that job, they call it, they didn't give us that loan, they call it, do you understand what I'm saying? Is that determining your future? Doesn't have to. But is it? Huh? Huh? Anything that happened five minutes ago, is it determining your future? It does not have to. But with so many people, it is. It is. What people have done to them, what people have said to them, what their parents called them, what their teacher called them, what their ex-husband or ex-wife called them, what their neighbor called them, what their boss called them, what their parents called them, what... Uh, whoever said about them is determining who they have become today and who they are today and what victory they have in life today. Because so many times, whether we want to admit it or not, we are a product of what people think about us. 
and people are constantly trying to live up to someone else's expectations instead of God's. They're trying to live up to what this person thinks about them or 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 this person and not God. They're not trying to live up to just what God thinks about them. They're trying to live up to what their spouse thinks, what their neighbor thinks, what their boss thinks, what their friend thinks, what their somebody else thinks. You know how you did in school. You remember it? Well, it might not bother you quite as much now that you're older, but some of that stuff still hangs on to people. So I want to read you some things today, and I want to see if we can identify some things, and I think you're really, really, really going to like it. So don't get too quiet on me. You know I'm not Keith, and I'll come sit in your lap, and we'll sit down right beside you, and we'll chat about it. So Philippians 3.13. Don't turn there. You can write it down if you want to, but, you know, you can get the tape, and you don't even have to, you know. All right. Philippians 3.13. Brethren, this is Paul talking. Now, Paul can talk about this, and let me tell you why. Because Paul is one that had a past that you would want to forget. If anybody had a past that he would want to forget, it would be Paul. Because Paul tried to kill people that God loved. Then he had to do a flip-flop and love the people that God loved. So he would, if anybody, he would want to like, I don't want to remember that part of my life anymore. I want to like turn the page and go on. You ever felt that way? You just want to forget that part of your life, turn the page and go on like you could start a new chapter, erase that part and start today. Well, there's a way to do it. If Paul could do it. Okay, let's find out. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but... Paul's talking. Listen carefully. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. One thing he does, he forgets what's behind and thinks about what's before him. That's one thing. It's not two things. It's one thing. Forgetting the past and looking to the future. Right? Let's look at it in the Living Bible. Hannah, can you get that? Okay, he says, No, dear brothers, I am not still all I should be. How many of you can agree with Paul on that? Yeah, I think we all can. But I am bringing all of my energies. Now, this is Paul talking, and he is saying, I am bringing every energy that I have. I am bringing all of my focus. I am bringing everything that I have. Have you ever had to put all your energies on one thing? Everything that you have. I mean, every energy that you have to do something. This is Paul talking. He's saying, I am bringing every energy that I have to bear on this one thing. It's taking everything that Paul has got to do this one thing. To forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. To forget how he mistreated everybody and how bad he was and how horrible a person he was and how he did everything wrong and how he didn't do everything right and go forward. 
It's taking everything he can do to get that out of his mind and out of his heart. It's taking every bit of his power and every bit of his energy to think about, okay, I got to forget that and I got to do this. Now, if it's Paul saying that, would we have to do the same thing? Maybe you've had every reason to think, I'm a failure, I'm a mess up, I'm a lousy person, I've screwed it up so many times that I don't even want to think about going forward. But you know what? If Paul can say, you can forget everything that's behind you and go forward, guess what? You can put everything behind you and move forward. Now, I know that people have failures. So many people have had so many failures in their life that they think, that's all I am. Just If you look my picture up, if you look the word failure up in the dictionary, my picture is sitting there, failure. That's what they are. But I want to tell you this morning about some people that are true failures. Are you ready to hear about them? What about the rest of y'all? Y'all want to just go home? Y'all got dressed and came here. I think you'll be glad you did. Okay. All right. Let's see if we can find them here. I got some good ones. Y'all are going to like it. I'm telling you, you're going to like it. Just hang in there. There's somebody named Abraham Lincoln. Anybody ever heard of him? Let me tell you about Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, as a young man went to war as a captain, and he returned as a private. He got demoted. Okay? Afterwards, he was a failure as a businessman, and as a lawyer in Springfield, he was too impractical and temperamental to be a success. He turned to politics and was defeated in his first try as a legend for the legislature, and then he was defeated in his first attempt for Congress and defeated for his first attempt for commissioner, and he was defeated for his first attempt for the general land office. He was defeated for his senatorial election. He was defeated for his efforts for the vice presidency. He was defeated for another senatorial election. And he saw, so finally he wrote a, friend to, a letter to his friend, and he said, I am now the most miserable man living. <laughs> He says, if what I'm feeling were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on the earth. <laughs> Is he feeling sorry for himself? Yeah. Did Abraham Lincoln quit? No. You know who he is. So he must not have quit. He didn't quit, right? Okay. Think about this person here. Thomas Edison. His teacher said he was too stupid to learn anything. They said he was fired from the first two jobs he had for being non-productive. As an inventor, he made over 1,000 unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb. Aren't you glad he didn't stop? Every woman that puts on her makeup says, Thank you, Lord. And every man says, Thank you that you didn't, God. Let him quit. 
And the reporter asked, and a reporter asked him one time, he said, um, how did it feel to have a thousand failures? Edison replied, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was invented with over a thousand steps. It's all in the way that you think about it. Albert Einstein, you know who Albert Einstein is, right? Okay. Did not speak until he was four years old. He did not read until he was seven. His parents thought he was subnormal. One of his teachers described him as being mentally slow. He was unsociable, adrift, and forever in foolish dreams. He was expelled from school and was refused admittance into a polytechnical school, and he did eventually learn how to speak and read and even do just a little math. <laughs> That's Albert Einstein. Did he have a chance to quit? Get discouraged? Absolutely he did. Louis Pastor. Does anybody know who that is? Pasteur, yes. The pasteurization process, anybody like milk? Anybody, any ladies like silk? He helped invent that process. Okay. Vaccines for anthrax, chicken pox, cholera, rabies. This is what it, it says about him. He was only a mediocre pupil. And he ranked 15 out of 22 in chemistry. How many is that? That's pretty low, isn't it? You wouldn't have just picked him out and said, he's going to do all these things, right? Absolutely not. Or given him a scholarship to do it. Right? You wouldn't have gone and said, you're going to be the best one, I pick you. That's why we have the Holy Ghost living inside of us. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's why I'm standing up here in front of you. There you go. Henry Ford failed and went broke five times before he succeeded. I am thoroughly convinced that's one reason why we don't have more millionaires in the church today. Their stick-to-itiveness. They're more concerned about what people think about them failing than they are what God thinks about them succeeding. Huh? Right? Okay. R.H. Macy. How many of you know who R.H. Macy is? Raise your hand. Every lady in the place has her hand up. Only about five men do. <laughs> Macy's department store, right? Okay. R.H. Macy failed seven times before his store in New York City caught on. Seven times. Now, how many of you would have quit after the second time? Right? Because more concerned about what others think than what God thinks. Is he a success today? Listen to this one. F.W. Woolworth 
was not even allowed to wait on customers when he worked in the dry goods store because they said about him, he does not even have enough good common sense. How many of you ever heard of Woolworths? Everybody. Now listen to this one. It says, when the Bell Telephone Company was struggling to get started, its owners offered their rights to Western Union for $100,000. The offer was disdainfully rejected with the pronouncement, what use could this company make of an electrical toy? How many of you have a cell phone in your pocket right now? It's an amazing electrical toy, isn't it? That every human being has one today. Not just every household, every human being. Do you base what you think on what somebody else says? Or on what God told you inside you? Are you basing your life over you had an idea from God and somebody said, that's dumb. That's stupid. Don't try that. That's ignorant. Why would you do that? You've already failed at it five times. You've wasted everything you've got trying that. That computer company will never work. You've tried it over and over again. That project you've been working on, you have spent every dime we've had over and over again. I don't care if it's your wife, your husband, your mother, your daddy. I wonder what Mrs. Edison told her husband. Huh? Go get a job. Don't you think? I am so thankful he didn't listen to her. Aren't you? I mean, because your flesh is going to tell you that. Your flesh is going to say things like that. Your flesh is going to tell you all sorts of things. That's not the way that you do things. I mean, you've you got to have money. You've got to have this. You've got to have that. But what you do have to do is follow what the Lord is telling you to do. And he'll tell you. Listen to this one. Do you all like these? Yeah. I like them too. Daniel Boone. I always call my husband Daniel Boone because he is so much like that. He will go. One day, I'm going to take a little side journey here. One day, we went out on jet skis, okay? We used to own, years ago with some other people, some really good friends of ours on our board, a lake place. It was a little bitty log cabin type thing, but it was on the lake. And we owned some jet skis. And he decided, my husband, as far as you can go is where he's going to go. I mean... Uh, Infinity and Beyond, Star Trek. I mean, how do they say that on Star Trek? Where no man's gone before. Yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, where no man's gone before, that's him. Okay, so we get out on these jet skis, okay, and we go out on the lake. And I mean we go to where the river starts, okay? Well, he had plotted out we were going to get gas where the river started. There was a gas station there. Well, we got all the way up there, and the gas station burned down. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't even remember how we wound up getting gas, but I do remember this part. We were up there, and before we could get the gas, a tornado decided to come. And here we are. 
on our jet skis. And we finally get to this little place, and there's a hotel there, or a fishing cabin. Now, this is the fishing cabin. There are no curtains on the windows. The bed is, like, unbelievable. I mean, the shower is, like, almost outside. It's a man's fishing cabin. We have no clothes. We have nothing. We go into the place, and the guy makes Keith a cheese sandwich this big and offers him a, a six-pack of beer and says, y'all enjoy your stay. You know, it was just the sweetest thing. But this is his adventures, you know? This is our life. When I go with him on a motorcycle ride, I take my makeup bag because I don't know when I'm coming home. <laughs> it is the truth. I mean, if we get in the car, he says, you want to go for a Sunday afternoon ride? Oh, sure. My makeup bag and my toothbrush are with me because we could come home in three days. That is the way he lives. He is like Daniel Boone. Okay, now back to Daniel Boone. Okay. What was once asked by a reporter if he had ever been lost in the wilderness. That's what, now you see why I think about Keith when I think about, yeah. Boone thought for a moment and replied, no, but I was once bewildered for about three days. <laughs> An expert said of Vince Lombardi, he possesses minimal football knowledge and lacks motivation. Now, anybody know who Vince Lombardi is? Absolutely. And later would write, later Lombardi would write, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get back up. Amen. Babe Ruth. Anybody know who Babe Ruth is? He's famous for his home run record. But for decades, he also held another record. Strikeouts. Strikeouts. He hit 714 home runs but he struck out 1,330 times. He says, every strike brings me closer to a home run. Is that how we think? Everything we do brings us closer to a success? We should. Instead of everything we do, I'm just a failure. I'm always messing up. Who puts those words in our mouth? Not God. Okay, listen to this one. Stan Smith. He was rejected as a ball boy for the Davis Cup in tennis because they said about him, he's too awkward and clumsy. How many of you know who Stan Smith is? He went on with his clumsy self to win Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, and eight Davis Cups. That's what you do to the devil. When somebody like the devil or a person tells you you can't do something, don't ever tell me I can't do it. They told me that about that building in Branson, that we couldn't do it in, in how many weeks? Six weeks? Yeah. They told me we couldn't remodel it in six weeks. They told me we couldn't open our first church in three weeks. We were up and running and had our first service in three weeks with a remodel, fixing it and everything. Don't say you can't do it. It just stirs me up. You should be that way. Because you can do anything if God tells you to do it. Right? Okay. Carl Lewis. You know who Carl Lewis is, right? Okay. 
won a gold medal for the long jump in 96, and he was asked what he attributed his longevity to. And he said, remembering you both have wins and losses along the way and never taking either too seriously. It's a good point, right? You get too much pride if you take your wins too seriously and you get too down if you take your losses too seriously. Now this one is too good. Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked imagination. <laughs> Aren't you glad Walt Disney didn't listen to that man? How many of you have enjoyed Walt Disney movies? I mean, what would we do without Walt Disney? I mean, dear, all the Walt Disney movies all of us have watched through the years. It's a great thing. Now listen to this one. Charles Schultz had every cartoon he submitted to his high school yearbook staff rejected. Everyone. And oh, Walt Disney wouldn't hire him. Now all of you know who Charles Schultz is, right? Peanuts and Charlie Brown. Listen to this. Fred Astaire, on his first screen test, got a memo from the director of MGM in 1933, and it said, he can't act, he can't sing, he's slightly bald, he can dance just a little. It says, Astaire kept this over his fireplace in his Beverly Hills home, and he said, the higher up you go, the more mistakes you're allowed. And right at the top, if you make enough of them, it's considered to be your style. <laughs> Isn't that true? When Lucille Ball began studying in 1927, she was told by the head instructor, you better try another profession, you'll never make it at this. Now, what if she'd have listened? I know these people didn't really uh, necessarily probably uh, get millions of people saved or, or change history, some of them. But do you understand my point in what I'm trying to get at? What if they would have listened to this one person that the devil set in their path to bring them defeat? How many times has the devil set one person in your path to bring you defeat? <laughs> How many times has he put one turn in your path to put you down or cause you to fail or cause you not to succeed? How many times has he done one small thing and you bring it the whole rest of your life through your life because you've had one failure? Or one person tell you that you were no good at this. And you make them the expert instead of the God that you serve that told you to do it. Who is an expert? Okay. In 1944, an Emmeline Snively, director of a modeling agency, 
told a modeling hopeful, Norma Jean Baker, what are y'all laughing at? You better learn a secretarial skill or get married or something because you're never going to make it. Everybody knows who Norma Jean Baker is. Marilyn Monroe. Decca Records turned down a recording contract with the Beatles. <laughs> Said they will never amount to anything. Now what if they'd have listened? Jimmy Dean, manager of the Grand Ole Opry, fired Elvis Presley. <laughs> After one performance, he told Presley, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to truck driving. Who is Jimmy Dean? Jimmy Denny? Huh? No, Jimmy Denny, the one that fired him. Who is he? Nobody remembers him, right? You remember who Elvis Presley is, right? Do you see what I'm getting at? You remember the person that kept going and pressing on, but you don't remember the person that told them they were no good. Who told you you were no good? Who told you that you couldn't succeed? Who told you you were a failure? Who told you that what you do is no good? Who told you you were dumb or slow or stupid? A school teacher, a spouse, an ex-husband, an ex-wife, a mom, a dad. God told you different. He told you the greater one lives inside of you. I'm going to keep going. I've got a couple more. Then I'm going to explain something to you. Beethoven handled a violin awkwardly. It says um, he preferred playing his own compositions instead of improving his technique. technique. His teacher called him hopeless and unlearnable. Beethoven. A Paris art dealer refused Picasso shelter when he asked him if he could bring his paintings in from the rain. Don't you know he regretted that later? Van Gogh sold one painting during his lifetime. Anybody know who it was to? His sister for $50. And this last one is the one I want you to see. 27 publishers rejected Dr. Seuss's first book. How many of you have ever read a Dr. Seuss book? Green Eggs and Ham? Sam I Am? Um, what? The Cat in the Hat? Horton Hears a Who? What? Redfish Bluefish. Oh, and who could ever forget? The Grinch! The Grinch! Thing one and thing two. Yeah. Now, Dr. Seuss didn't probably change your life. 
but you did enjoy it. A lot of kids enjoyed it. But what my point is, is what if Dr. Seuss had gone and he had written these papers and he had taken them and taken the time and maybe Horton Hears a Who or The Cat in the Hat or Green Eggs and Ham or The Grinch or any one of those books and he had taken them and 27. Let's just see how many 27 is. You want to? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six. Absolutely 27. This whole front row. 27 publishers. Now I want you to get this with me. You're paying attention, right? Dr. Seuss took his first manuscript and he did this. He went to the first publisher and he took that manuscript. And he was so excited about that manuscript. Maybe it was Cat in the Hat. I don't know what his first manuscript was. I didn't take the time to find it out. But his first manuscript, okay? Maybe it was Horton Hears a Who. And he goes to this first publisher and he says, I've got this wonderful kid's book. It's got illustrations and it is so much fun. Would you publish it for me? What did they say? No. He goes, but it's got illustrations. Nope. No. So he goes home. He goes, well, maybe it's not as good as I thought. And he waits. He thinks, nope, I'm going to another one. He goes to another one. I've got this kid's book. It's really good. I like it. I think kids are really going to like it. Get a real job. Get a real job. Forget her. I've got this kid's book. It's really good. I think you're really going to like it. Would you publish it for me? Not today. Not today. I got this kid's book. It's really good. It's short. It's got pictures. It's colorful. Would you publish it for me? <laughs> oh no, he didn't say it. Oh no. No, no, no. He said no. No. I got this kid's book. It's got large print. It's good. It's colorful. It's got it's funny. Would you publish it for me? No, thank you. Now, I don't know if Dr. Seuss was saved or not. But you know, that's one, two, three, four, five rejections. How many of you ever gone to five people and got rejected? Did you want to quit? Did it make you want to quit? Yeah. Okay. So he takes a deep breath and he goes again. I got this manuscript here. I think it's fun. I think the kids are really, really going to like it. I got pictures and illustrations. 
never sell. Never sell. Never sell. They weren't very nice. Um, um, I got this kid's book. It's, it's really good. It's short. It's fun. It's got funny names. What do you think? No, I don't. Would you at least read it? I don't have time. Oh, no time. Um, I got this kid's manuscript. Would you read it? It's a kid's book. Come on. It's fun. You'd enjoy reading it. I'm sorry. We're not interested. We're not interested. We're not interested. What do you think? Would you give up? Would you give up? But you know what? What we have is where people fail. This is where they lose it. We have something inside of us. This is where the grace of God comes in for you. This is where people don't understand it. This is where the world can fail. This is where Christians succeed. This is what should happen in our lives. This is what we can do where the world doesn't always have the grace to be able to do. We wake up that morning and we've had nine rejections, eight rejections. And normally what people will do is they'll lay in the bed and they'll say, See, I didn't hear from God. Nobody wants to help me. Nobody will help me do anything. I'm just a failure. I can't do it. Nobody will give me any money. Nobody will give me any time. Nobody will help me do anything. I can't do anything. And we don't do what God tells us to do. So we wind up taking our lives on a totally different path than what God intended for us to do. What if he had not continued to do what God told him to do? What if he had not continued to write children's books? Would he have gone on a different path? What about Thomas Edison? What if he had not continued to do a thousand tries on the light bulb? Would his life have taken a totally different path than what God intended for it to take? Would he have gone in a totally different direction than what God intended for him to go? Why? Because God told him the next morning not to get up and take that manuscript to another person? Are these people his God? Is the world your God? Absolutely not. But what God will do for you is the next morning... He will grace you and give you the ability. He will give you the strength. He will give you the encouragement. He will give you the overcoming power. He will give you the victory. He will give you the power because the greater one lives inside of you. And he will say, get up, get up, put your britches on. Let's go. Put a smile on your face. Let's go. I'll give you five more people that you can show that to today. And you get up just like you didn't do it the day before. And you put a smile on your face and you go to him and you say, you know what? I got this kid's book and it's exciting and it's good and it's got pictures and I think you're going to like it. No. Okay, I understand. I got a kid's book. It's got pictures. It's got illustrations. I think you're going to like it. It's not too big. I think you'll really like it. Need scripture. 
need scripture? No. Okay. I, I got this book. It's a kid's book. You got grandkids. I know they'll really like it. We don't do kids books. We don't do kids books. <laughs> but what happens is you can go through all of these people and every one of them tell you no. But does that change the plan of God for your life? But how many people's plans of God has changed because somebody told them no? Because somebody told them in the world no, that that wasn't right. Or didn't give them the job that they felt like they were called to do. Or didn't put them in the position that they felt like they were anointed to do. Did they quit and did they take a turn and go the other direction? Or did they continue doing what God told them to do? God said, Seuss, write these books. Disney, do illustrations. I don't know were they Christians. Do you know? I don't know. But I do know that we have the greater one living inside of us that will give us wisdom and give us anointing and give us victories and tell us, you go do this, you go present this to them, you go do this, you go take care of this. Maybe you've had four failed marriages, maybe you've had failures of every kind in your life, but that does not mean that you are a failure. That's just something that happened to you. It's not who you are. Maybe you've had 16 bankruptcies. You've just had them. That's not who you are. You do not become what you had happened to you. You are an overcomer in Christ. That's who you are. What if, if he had said, I'm just a failure. I'm not a children's book writer. What was I thinking? How dumb could I be? What if he had begun to listen to all these people along the way? He would have let them make the plans for his life. And would that have been the right thing to do? Absolutely not. Don't let other people around you and people you come in contact with dictate who you are to be. There's only one person that should dictate who you're supposed to be, and that's God. Listen to this scripture. Let's see, the Message Bible. Do you know, before we put it up there, go ahead and put it up there, and I'm going to tell you this. Message uh, Bible in 313 through 21. I want to read the whole thing. It says, well, let me tell you this first. Do you know why people keep having to start over? Anybody. Why do people keep having to start over? Because they quit. If you didn't quit, you wouldn't have to start over. You build up and 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 then you quit. We are not quitters. What if he'd have gone all the way down this road and gone to this publisher 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 and and by that time he may have had 16 books. I don't know. He's only trying to sell one right now. Gone to this publisher, 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 and this one said no, and he thought, I'm just going to throw in the towel. Do you see how many I've been to? What if he'd have never went to this one? Nothing. 
No green eggs and ham. Sam, I am. No thing one, thing two. Right? That's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to go through thing after thing after thing after thing and get right next to your answer and then quit. Go through everything that you've been through and then throw in the towel. That's what the devil tries to get you to do. That is not God's plan for you. Listen to the Message Bible. It says, Friends, now if somebody was talking, I'd almost say this to you. It says, friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. Keep going. I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any one of you has something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. I think I want to read that part again. If any one of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. I, I believe that over every person in this place. I decree it over every person in this place. If any one of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Keep going, Hannah. Not that we're on the right track, now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for this goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. I warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross. But Easy Street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belches, uh-oh, are their praise. All they can think about is their appetites. But there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of heaven. We're waiting on the arrival of the Savior, the Master Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that wonderful? That's who we are. We don't get to take easy street. We don't want to take easy street. So, so what? We go to this place and the door is slammed in our face. We get up the next morning, we wash our face and we do it again. And we get up the next morning, we say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. They don't control my life. God, you control my life. And you get up and you do it again. And the next morning, somebody else slams the door in your face. You say, who are they to tell me what to do? Who was this man that fired Elvis Presley? He's a nobody. I get up and I do it again. God, you're greater than the ones that's in this world around me. They don't control me. 
Who am I to let their thoughts about me control me? If I do that, then they're controlling me. Do you know if you let somebody upset you, they are in control of you? Do you understand that? If they can make you mad or upset you or frustrate you, they are controlling you. You're not controlling you. They're controlling you. And not a person in here wants somebody else controlling them. You wouldn't let them control you. So why are you letting them control you? You are letting them control you if you go to this one and this one and this one and this one and they reject you and you don't get up the next morning and say, oh, forget them and forget the past if it was yesterday. Forget it. If that banker refused you yesterday, if that friend refused you yesterday, if that girlfriend that you proposed to refused you yesterday, I don't know. But you see what I'm saying? Don't let the world dictate who you are. There's only one person that should be dictating to you who you are. And who is that? Your Father God and Jesus. I don't want us changing our course because some dummy in the world told me I couldn't do this. Who are they? They ain't no smarter than you. There's a lot of people out there that have a lot of degrees behind their name, and Brother Hagen used to call them, you know what PhD stands for? Post hole digger. That's what he used to say. He said, so they got a Ph.D. behind their name. They can dig post holes. He said, that's what a lot of times it means. They're trying to tell you how to live their, your life. Nobody can tell you how to live your life. There's only one person qualified to do that. Don't let somebody else tell you how to do that. Okay? Message Bible. 219. Two. Uh, Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians, Hannah. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, his immense mercy, immense in mercy, and with incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in the world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving us is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's a gift. It's God's gift 
from start to finish. We don't play a major role. If we did, we'd probably just go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. Do you see what he's saying? We can't give ourselves the ability to accomplish things. But what we can do is we can wake up the next morning and when this door gets slammed in our face and this door gets slammed in our face, he gives us the grace and the strength and the ability to get up and do it again. That's what makes us different. So you've had tests and trials. I'll read you another verse here. John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, what? There will be no tribulation. You don't have to overcome anything. Five people, hear me. In the world, there's nothing to overcome. No, in the world you shall have tribulation. You don't have to read that with me. It's already happening. You don't even have to agree with me. It's already going to happen. In the world you shall have what? Trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Look at it in the New International Reader's Version, if we had that, Hannah. Or who's ever up there. There we go. I told you these things so that you can have peace because of me. In the world, you will have trouble. But cheer up. I have won the battle over the world. How did he win the battle over the world? Now, can you win the battle over the world through him? How? How? What if the door gets slammed in your face? Make it simple. I don't want scripture. How do you win? Don't quit. Get up the next morning and do it again. And get up the next morning and do it again. Okay, let's bring it down to where we are. You want to? Say you just had the fight of all fights with your spouse. Uh Uh-oh, now we're going to meddle a little bit. And the whole world is going file for a divorce. What will God do for you? So the door got slammed in your face. So she slammed the door in his face. What will he give you the ability to do? Forgive. Forget the past and look toward the future. 
I don't care if it was five minutes ago. I don't care if it was yesterday. I don't care what they did. I don't care what they said. Tomorrow morning, His mercy and His grace is new, and you start all over again, and you go all over again, and you start it again. That's why today there's so many divorces. It's because everybody thinks it's the easy way out. There's no sticking to it. We don't have to do anything, and that's why Christians are just exactly the same way as the world is, because they don't have to do anything. But in order to prove that we're different from the world, we have to use what he gave us on the inside. You know as well as I know. The next morning you can get up and you can say, I'm sorry. You don't have to yield to that pride. You don't have to yield to that flesh. You have to get up and you have to get the door slammed in your face again. But you have the ability to do it. Your flesh is the only thing keeping you from doing it. So you have a fight with your spouse, and you have another fight with your spouse, and you have 27 fights with your spouse. Uh Uh-oh, 70 times how many? Except for with your spouse. Right? No. Didn't say, it didn't add that little clause in there, except for with your spouse. Right? He gives us the ability. There will be tribulation in the world, but he has overcome the world. Okay, take it with your family. Oh, family sometimes can be something to overcome. Sisters, moms, dads. Oh, ex-wives. Ex-husbands. You have a fight. It's not an opportunity not to walk in love. They slam the door. You get up, you take it again, and you walk in love. We are the example of who the world is supposed to see, of Jesus. But we have to have that ability and that grace living in us. Even though the door gets slammed, even though we get hit, we have the greater one living inside of us to be able to take it again the next day and take it again the next day. If we don't look to us, if we don't look for our own selves to be able to have that ability. Put that verse back up there. It says, I have told you these things so that you can have what? Because of you? Because of Jesus. We can have peace because of Jesus because we know who won. We know the end result. If we'll continue to walk in love and we'll continue to walk in what he tells us to do, we know we win because he's already overcome the world. And put up John 16, 33. Oh, sorry. And um, I think this is the Amplified. Uh, Yeah. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and what? confidence to keep going like the energizer bunny and going and going and going and going you have peace and confidence to keep doing it in the world you will have what and what and what and what has anybody experienced any of that do we live in this world Have you ever been tempted to quit? But we shouldn't. That's what he's telling us. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident and certain and un... 
daunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of its power to harm you and have conquered it for you. He deprived the world of its ability to harm you. But how can it not harm you if you don't quit on number 8 and you don't quit on number 15 and you don't quit on number 22? You get up and do what he told you to do and not what the world dictates to you. Can we do it? We can do it, guys. We can overcome anything that the devil throws at us. We can overcome anything another person throws at us. Words can be hurtful. Words can be mean. People can be mean. But you know what? If you know that what they are saying to you is not God talking to you and that their words are not your final authority, that the only words that really matter are your words about you and his words about you, then you can have victory and peace and be confident every day of your life. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 You guys got something you can sing up there?